Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmidty, Swanee and Clarkie visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right. How are we? Very well, thank you. Great to see your faces. How are you all? Yes, some people Mm. look a little bit more tanned than others, don't they, Schmitty? And relaxed. Yes. And possibly jet lagged. Tanned and wrinkled. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Really jet lagged. (laughs) We've had an amazing holiday. Went to Turkey and Greece and did all this crazy stuff. Spent a week on a yacht. For God's sakes, it was amazing. So, yeah, awesome, awesome holiday. Got a bit of a tan, uh, got very relaxed and now very jet lagged. So this episode, we're obviously going to have a little bit of wine as we go, plus we're jet lagged. So all kinds of crazy stuff could happen. (laughs) Felt in. So are you going to do what Carla does that she thinks I don't notice when I'm editing and yawn all the way through (laughs) and I have to to take them out? terrible that's not that's not dedicated to trial by wine I'm a massive yawner and I find it very difficult I'm learning to play bridge at the moment and if we're participating in things that are happening I'm good but the moment they start talking to us god knows how I get through a lecture I start yawning and I'm so aware of it I see like the instructor or teacher look at me and I think oh, that's so disrespectful I, I but I can't stop doing it so I do apologize yawner oh, it's never bothered me I just always mm. find it funny when I hear this quiet yeah. Yeah. it's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> I am a bit, I, maybe it's related to me being so nasty. I'm a bit of a heavy breather as well. <laughs> and sometimes when you're making a point, you're tapping the table oh. and it's coming through the mic. <laughs> yeah. Do I really? Yeah, oh, gosh, do I really? Sorry. I, I spent about, I kid you not, five hours um, on the last episode trying to find out how to get rid of your thumps on your table because there was a lot of that going on. And I worked out, it's all in the parametric equaliser and I was able to take all your low frequency stuff out to minimise that. So anyway, I now know something new. I've learned something new again. I would never have thought that. I've never had crossed my mind. So there you go. Oh, look, uh, Kelly Lane, you were very thumpy with Kelly Lane, but she's, that's all right. I've got it out. I've taken my thumper. I'm just shocked that you have lectures <laughs> on bridge. Like, what? Oh, it's, oh it's no, I've started the a old lady class yes. she's in. Yeah. yeah, so I've started, I started while you guys were away, I think, and I've just completed yeah, the beginner's course. Yeah. Yep. I've started the beginner's course and I was kind of dragged kicking and screaming because I kept saying, I don't do math. Remember that? Yes. Someone yeah. told me it was about math and I was like, honestly, I'm not your person. I am not your person. But the, go- the group of girls, the sort of the foursome that I'm with are awesome and they're a bit silly and a bit fun and they're, you know, so in the shelter of that small group I'm quite comfortable and someone invited me to this thing and I said, oh, no, you're really, we're not at, I'm not at that level. And she's like, oh, don't worry, you can come as your foursome and just stay as your foursome. And I went, oh, okay, then if there's, there's drinks we can do that, but I'm not going to play anybody we don't know. It's early days. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, the boys have been away for, what is it, five weeks, chaps? Yes, yeah. indeed. Mm-hmm. And um, has anything interesting happened for you, Carla, in that period? Mm. Other than learning bridge, becoming a bridge master? I don't know. It's just, we've just been really busy. It's sort of like we're going to do a bit of a tag team because as mm. these guys come back from Europe, I'm heading off. So, yeah, I'm just trying to get through the get through the day. 
Um, Fair enough. No, I don't think so. What about you, Schmitty? Has anything exciting perhaps <sighs> happened to you? Oh, just uh, do tell. A little engagement. There's Yay! the ring. <laughs> yes. Oh, the wrong. Uh, so not long after, I think you guys went. Uh, Tony got back from England because everyone goes to Europe except me this year. And this um, year is the only point that matters in that conversation. You know, you'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, but he came back, and I, as you know, I had COVID, and then. I think that was the last time we recorded actually was when yes. I was still with COVID in isolation and so we got to the end of that mm-hmm. and I was allowed out and we went out for dinner and I thought it was just a haven't seen you for four weeks, let's have dinner. And, yes, there was a ring box on the table and a very romantic proposal, although he didn't get down on one knee, but never mind. Um, and he <laughs> said it was too embarrassing in that restaurant. But, yes, uh, so that was pretty big news for us and um, since then... Everything's just been work and stuff. And my other big news, I suppose, is I am booked for my surgery now for my hip replacement, and that will be on the 11th of August. So I've got laptop tables organised so that if I do have to lie down whilst recording Trial by Wine, I'm all set up to do it. I'm never one to let anything get in the way of trial by wine, as you know. Maybe you could put like a um, camera on, not camera, on on the ceiling and like, you know, if you really are that... Have it recline that much, you can talk. Well, I was thinking I could actually like hook up the um, mic boom to the bed head and bring the mic over in front of me and then I'll have the laptop in front of me and and we can go forward and just. I've got visions of you in a neck brace, <laughs> like barely able to move from the neck down it. and still podcasting Intraction. from the bed. Intraction, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Is it right. one hip, Schmitty, or two? It's the right hip to start to with. Start the, with left, yeah. the left one's no good, but we don't do them at no, the same time. So. And I'll have six weeks in recovery off work, Jesus. so we'll have plenty of time to do some episodes. Six yeah. weeks. It's a big mm-hmm. operation, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty big, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the specialist said oh. that I'd probably be fine medically uh, like within three months but he said you won't feel normal for quite some time but yeah that's right I was just thinking haven't felt normal for quite some time so what's what's the yeah, issue yeah I've been in chronic pain for three years so hey if <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. not so bad I'm gonna be okay yeah 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 all right well I suppose we should introduce ourselves uh I'm Schmitty I'm Swanee and I'm Clarkie and together we are trial by Wine! <laughs> Which leads us to the next question. What are we drinking? <laughs> Glad you asked, as always. Ooh. Can I go first? Yes, please. Yes. We're having a Lazona Nebbiolo, uh, which is from Chrismont in King Valley. Chrismont's a lovely winery. Um, if you ever get a chance and you're in the King Valley, there is a beautiful restaurant there with an amazing view down the valley. Um, and they also make lovely wines. So here we are having that. How about you two lovely ladies? Hmm, well, if you had have been able to speak to Carla at midday yesterday, you'd, I would have put money on the fact that I would not be having an alcoholic beverage now. I was lying on the um, bathroom floor trying to cool down a bit because we'd had a rather big night the night before and I think I had too many drinks and it felt like Carla at uni. I was not well. Um, but... I've come good and I'm having a little cheeky ginger beer that Schmidt had sent through, one of the alcoholic ones, the Brookvale Union. And I have to say it's not bothering me in the slightest. I'm quite enjoying it. So I can <laughs> I can put the colour of yesterday lie on the bathroom floor and my kids are going, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, <laughs> not resting. Just resting on your, just way. Resting. on your way. I think 
I think um, that's a great uh, promo for the, the, is it Brookvale, did you say? Oh, Brookvale um, Union. It's, oh, sorry, yeah, it's not Good bothering me at all. It's well, not you know, bothering me at all. It's going down very smoothly, <laughs> seeing as though I thought I might not be drinking alcohol for quite some time yesterday. But I, I, It should I just say Brookvale Union, not bothering me at all. Not bothering me at all. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think they'll have to create a campaign around that. Yeah. What about you, Schmidty? Uh, I've gone back to something that I found in the fridge that I hadn't covered, which is, of course, one of my favourite mango chutney. Mango chutney. Mango chutney cruiser. Oh. Yeah, I found that I had a cheeky half dozen in the fridge and I thought, oh, that, that'll, that'll do for today. So oh. It gives the... me like, I, from here, that what I'm looking at looks like it should be called guava. It gives me yeah. guava. There is a tone. guava one. Well, there you go. And it does look very much the same, but I ah. prefer the taste of the mango chutney one. Yeah. Mango chutney it's crutch. It's delicious. What's it really called? It's a mango raspberry. Mango and raspberry. Yeah, that's right. I do uh, remember sugar saying one. That's right. Yep. yep, yep, yep. It's not chutney at all. Uh, sorry about <laughs> that cruiser company. Yeah, mango it's a very chutney. nice drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a story for us. Are you ready? So the other thing that I know both of you like to do, so I'm just going to ask you to not do this for a little while, is start to do your own Google research when I'm telling a story uh, about the story I'm telling. So there's a reason for that. There's a visual in this and I, I don't kind of want you to. It's not so much a reveal, but there's a visual and I want you to get the full effect of it, So which you won't okay. if you've kind of jumped okay. on, gone a bit so, early. So phones away. No, not so much. I'm looking at Paul looking at his phone right now and thinking, is he, can he hear me? <laughs> Anywho, <can>. yeah. <laughs> the case I'm going to cover today is very famous, actually, and I had put it in my file a few months ago after reading a bit about it and, to be honest, I gave it a real cursory sort of look. And then I spent a bit more time on it while the boys had been gavel, uh, gavelanting gallivanting over the over Avalanche. Europe, gallivanting all over Europe, you know, whining and dining and uh, having a good old time on a yacht. And as I did look into it a bit more, I found it to be fascinating and disturbing and quite sad and I ended up quite conflicted on this one. So I'll be interested to see where you guys, you know, get to. Knowing you, Clarky, you'll be like, nope, it's cut and dried. But here we go. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to talk you through the case of Eileen Warnos. So I first, I first heard about Eileen when Charlize Theron won an Oscar for oh. her depiction in yeah. the film Monster. Yep. And, of course, I didn't know anything about Eileen mm. Warnos or the story, and she did like to be called Lee, and I'm going to call her Lee throughout the rest of the story. But I got the impression that Charlize Theron was basically won an Oscar for being a really, really beautiful woman who made herself look uh, Not so let's beautiful. say, mm. well, plain, but uh, in other parlance, rode hard and put away wet. And so <laughs> I sort of thought. Rode hard and put away wet. Oh, my I've Lord. I've never heard that before. That's but very it's... descriptive. <laughs> what is. is that? Did you come up with that? No, I didn't. Did she get mouldy? Like that's precisely what you're supposed to get the idea of. It's like, yeah, I don't know, some, something that's just not been cared for. Nothing that's been cared for. It's yeah. a little bit like Nicole Kidman winning an Oscar for um, the, the, hours, the Hours just because she had a prosthetic nose on. A fat nose or a big <laughs> nose. The best bit of acting she did in that was disguising herself as being Nicole Kidman to the point where halfway through the movie, Stuart goes, is that Nicole Kidman? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> 
That's good. Like if you've seen Monster, you wouldn't have any idea that this is Charlize Theron. I have either. seen it. Yeah, yeah. She's... Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I know it. Having also spent hours watching the real Eileen, I have to recant my position on it being just because she went from beautiful to ugly is why she won the Oscar. She gave an incredible performance of this woman. She she really did. So I've got to say, she that was a well earned Oscar. Anyway. Sit easy, Charlize. Schmitty is comfortable with the fact that you took home <laughs> Oscar on that one. I'm not. I'm not writing to the Academy to no. say that was a travesty and it yes. needs to be removed from it. No, but that was all I knew about the the thing, and I didn't really know that the case, but I do now. So I'm going to tell you a bit more about it. So I'm not going to though spend a great deal of time on the crimes that she committed. Without sounding unsympathetic, they're actually a bit pedestrian. The crimes are not the interesting part of this story. I know that sounds terrible. <laughs> Have we been doing this for too long? Yeah, yeah it's, it's such oh, a thing that you yeah, would you say. Did you call that a crime? Sorry, you know. yeah, yeah, exactly. Come there back was no to us meat. if you've got something. No one made a meat suit out of anyone. There was, oh. you know, there were no lamps made of nipples oh. or anything like that. So, you yeah. know, that's just not. It, in, it, it is in a my... problem for us, isn't it now? You know, the, we've set, you know. It reminds me of. It reminds me of those memes where it says, but did you die? Well, actually, actually, yes, I did die. And it's still not interesting. <laughs> yeah. No. It's wow. Not One of them is interesting, but but they've, they're really, it's just the wrong word. But it's, it's such just... a Schmidtyism. Like, oh, it's good. <laughs> Sorry. Am I Apologies bothered? if I've upset anyone about that. But, <laughs> but they're not. It's not that they're not important because no. they get us to where we end up. Yes. But they're like they're the sort of thing that happens all the time and, I'm, and maybe we are desensitised to it. So anyway, my sources before I go on were Wikipedia, allthatsinteresting.com, oxygen.com, vice.com, the LA Times, capitalpunishmentincontext.com, which I found really Ooh. good. Yep. Two documentaries by Nick Broomfield, which were fine. Oh, over here. Swanee, yep, by our favourite, Channel, Channel 4. Channel 4. Because you know how mm-hmm. I know that? I used to work with a guy called Nick Broomfield who is not that Nick Broomfield. So whenever his ah. name comes up, I know exactly who he is. And he's he's big in the UK. I know exactly who he is. Yep. Oh, yeah. And if you don't know him, Clarkie and Wu, if you imagine someone who is like a predecessor to Louis Theroux, yeah. he's, he's sort of similar oh, yeah, to Louis right. Theroux. Yeah, yeah. 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 But he's, who, he's earlier. Who I also don't know. So that's helpful. Oh, oh. all right. Okay. <laughs> We're talking pop culture now, remember? I <laughs> don't know this stuff. That's not it. Oh, no, I, I just, reckon you would know who Louis Theroux don't you? Blow my mind. I think I can't believe that you don't know I reckon know you guys what, would. You know the guy if who he goes sung and, a song He I'm looks knowing. like where was where's Waldo? Where's Wally? He, um, you know, and he, he had Tiger King, he had uh Joe what's his face? Haven't watched on a it. documentary of his well before the the latest bit. Okay, all right. Look, I'm clearly talking into a void. So Correct. I'll, I'll just a, name a his culture work. a pop culture void. <laughs> yes. <laughs> his documentaries, which are available on YouTube if you'd like to watch them, are Eileen Warnos, The Selling of a Serial Killer, and Eileen, Life and Death of a Serial Killer. Also a bit of lad Bible. But oh, thank yeah. you, thank well, you. I, just, I just threw it in, but really, mostly they what they do is quote Nick Broomfield. So okay. I went straight to the source on that, and I wouldn't call it a source, but I did watch Monster as well. So who was Lee? Born Eileen Carol Pittman on February the twenty ninth, nineteen fifty six, in Rochester, Michigan. Lee was the daughter of Diane Warnos and Leo Dale Pittman. She was abandoned by her sixteen year old mother and never met her father as he was incarcerated for raping a seven-year-old girl and he died by suicide in 1969. Lee and her older brother Keith were adopted by their grandparents 
who they thought were their parents, as it turns out. Her grandmother was an alcoholic and her father was physically and sexually abusive to Lee. Off to a roaring start, Lee. Things are going to go well from here, darling. Oh, goodness Mm -hmm. me. Living her best life. Yeah. Gosh, all the foundations are there, aren't they? Mm. By 11, Lee had been regularly beaten and raped by her grandfather, raped by her brother, and traded sex with school kids for treats such as drugs, food, and cigarettes. At 14, she fell pregnant. Traded? She traded sex. So yeah, right. the, the local kids, obviously the local boys, were like, oh, look, you know, if you have sex with me, I'll give you some cigarettes or I'll give you some lollies or I'll give you five bucks or whatever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. At 14, she became pregnant, the result of being raped by the local pedophile, who was also a friend of her grandfather. And by the way, let's face it, her grandfather's also a pedophile, but anyway. Mm. An incestuous one, yeah. Yep, and was forced to go to a home for unwed mothers where she gave birth to a boy and the child was placed for adoption straight away. Not long after her son was born, her grandmother died of, I think, liver failure as a result of the alcoholism. Uh-huh. And Lee was thrown out of her home by her grandfather. She spent two years, so she's at this point I think about 15, she spent two years living in the woods at the end of the street where she'd grown up. What? Yep, and took up sex work to earn money and at times to be able to shower or sleep in a motel if that's where the client took her or for cigarettes and food. So the living in the woods thing was literally sleeping rough and there were other people there were a couple of other people who used to do the same thing and sometimes she'd they'd like create like a little bivouac or a little mm-hmm. partially covered area and they'd literally sleep in it and she'd be sleeping in that in Michigan in the snow in the winter and yeah things were not good for her so by 18 Lee was arrested for driving under the influence disorderly conduct firing a 22 caliber pistol from a moving vehicle and later for failure <coughs> to appear at court so I'm wondering she was charged with firing a pistol out of a moving, moving vehicle. vehicle. Yeah. I, I just there's a lot of gun control conversations going on in the moment in the UK and the US and it just it's interesting that firing a gun out of a moving vehicle is a crime, you know, that that's that specific when <laughs> there just seems to be so many issues with with guns that I don't know. Yeah. If you if you fired it from a stationary vehicle, would that be okay? <laughs> if you Probably not. were moving but not in a vehicle, would that be okay? Like, what? <laughs> Probably not. And, and as you say, I'm not going really into it, but I think the other problem was that it was a unregistered or unlawful gun, so it wasn't a like wasn't her gun. I a think registered firearm. Yeah, yeah. She hadn't yeah, bought yeah. it at the so, Quickie Mart. No, no. I think she nicked it or whatever. Yeah. Walmart, um, isn't it, where they sell them? <laughs> Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they still never. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, I think Walmart, you get one there. The picture I'm showing here is that this is a, a person who's, you know, out of control pretty much, um, basically dragged herself up. She's had no support from anyone. She's been treated like the town bike. In fact, the opposite, yeah. Yeah, yeah She and, and later on in testimony when they brought, uh, you know, people from her childhood forward because they were trying to say, are there mitigating factors to her yeah. later behaviour? Some of the guys, like it was it was disturbing watching them talk about, oh, yeah, no, I had sex with her. I was about 14 and and they, and they were you going out with her? Well, sort of. Well, I was, I was having sex with her regularly, but when she was around with other kids, what was it like? I told her to go away and I threw stones at her. So, you know, she was, she was literally treated like dirt by yeah. people. Mm. Yeah. So at age 20, she went to Florida where she had a, a, a very brief opportunity. Yes, and I, this is like the... All-time Florida woman story, but I'm not even there yet, right? Yeah. 
At, at age 20, she went to Florida, because she, she's Mich- from Michigan, to escape this stuff. And she met a 69-year-old millionaire, Louis Gratzfell, and they married. And honestly, wow. this, this should have been an opportunity for her to, you yeah. know, be on easy street forever. However, the marriage was annulled very shortly afterwards when Lee got involved in several altercations. And she also hit Fell with his own walking case. Cane. Cane walking case. Whatever walking that is. case. <laughs> I drag a suitcase around behind me to help me stay upright. (laughs) Oh, sorry. What I read about this was, you know, he was one of these people who was at the the local yacht club and, you know, they were, he was very influential, very wealthy. And she was actually very pretty at this, like I've seen photos of her at this age and, you know, her teeth could have done with some work, but otherwise she was quite an attractive girl. And apparently she'd go to the, I'm saying yacht club, but whatever the, the golf club, whatever, you know, the posh people go to. Country club? The country club. And she got a little rough and after a few drinks she started telling everyone what they could do with themselves. And oh, so we've all caused, done that. Yeah. She <laughs> caused him some embarrassment. <laughs> and so, yeah, he annulled the marriage. And then she went home to Michigan and then was arrested for brawling in a bar. Are we seeing a, a pattern here? Mm. Yeah. Hang on. Is is embarrassment a reason to oh, annul no, he, a marriage? I think the hitting him with his walking oh, cane right. was probably the right. thing, the thing that tipped it over the edge. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just had the the vision of the filling out the paperwork as to why you want your marriage annulled, and you know, uh, infidelity. Uh, you know, embarrassed at the country crime, club. Blah blah blah. Other <laughs> tick the <laughs> other box caused me some embarrassment. Mm, yes, yeah. quite quite some, but yes, yes. If that were the case, Tony wouldn't have actually um, even. Uh, proposed to me in the first place. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> well, we, we wouldn't be friends. <laughs> <laughs> so her brother Keith uh, then died at the age of 21 of esophageal cancer. She received $10,000 from his life insurance, which she then used to pay a fine and buy a new car. To pay and a fine? She... Oh, and buy a new car. Yeah, sorry. And buy a new car, yeah. Wouldn't be able to get much. But then oh. she wrecked the car not long after. So this was this was eighties, like uh, so. Ten grand was quite a bit in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. And then at twenty two, she attempted to kill herself by shooting herself in the stomach and survived it. And it is reported she attempted to die by suicide six times between the ages of fourteen and twenty two. And to be honest, I'm not surprised. She she was having a mm. pretty tough time of things. There's a series of other crimes she was arrested for: armed robbery. And, of course, you know, that was a big one because she stole two packs of cigarettes and $35. Did she Uh, get deported for life for that? No, she didn't. (laughs) Passing forged checks, holding a man at gunpoint to rob him, possession of a stolen weapon, etc. Not not completely petty crimes, but, uh, you know, low-level violence crimes. I think the big issue often involving a firearm and basically just being a bit of a, a menace, effectively. Do you know if she ever held down a job or was she...? The the, the only job she had, and I'll, I'm actually about to go on to say it, which is yeah. uh, at this point it's fair to say Lee had no formal education, yep. had been the victim of sexual abuse, had given birth and had had her child taken away, lost her mother slash grandmother, been abandoned by her father slash grandfather and lost her brother. Throughout the period, she continued to work as a sex worker to earn money yep. to survive. So the only work that she yep. actually had was okay, sex it. work. Yep. Then in 1986, Lee met Tyria Moore at a Daytona Beach gay bar. So she's back in Florida. Yep, she went back to Florida. She liked yep. Florida. She saw Florida yep. as a good place to escape all of the horrible things of her youth. I think a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they moved in together and 
This was the first same-sex relationship Lee had had and she fell deeply in love with Tyria, whom she supported with her earnings as a sex worker. And I think, you know, when we think about all the things that I've just described about Lee's life, she hadn't been loved by anyone. I think her brother liked her, was fond of her, but he also, um, from most reports, had been sexually abusive towards her. Not, I, I, I say rape because basically when she was 11, you can't call it anything else. Uh, you know, you can't say that she consented to that. Yeah. Uh, but I just think he was probably also a victim himself. Um, but And so she did have a great deal of care for her brother, Keith. Um, and she actually, I believe, was very fond of her grandmother as well. Uh, but she had nothing else. Like she had no other kind of person to love her. So So her version of love would have been the scraps she received. And then she meets this Tyria who is lovely to her and, you know, thinks she's all right, and she really forms this incredibly strong bond with her. They were together for five years and there are a few other reports of assault and battery, you know, bar fights and stuff, and a fight with a bus driver. Um, So Lee hadn't settled down in terms of her sometimes violent response to situations. In 1989, things changed. Over the course of 12 months, the bodies of six men were found shot to death and abandoned in the woods in Florida near the I-75. A seventh man went missing at this time and his body has never been found. They'd all been robbed and their cars had, st- had been stolen. In November, actually one car wasn't, but anyway, a pedestrian, moving on. In November <laughs> 1989... <laughs> The body of Richard Mallory was discovered several miles from his abandoned car. He'd been shot several times. And I say several because in one account I heard six, in another I heard three. Like I couldn't work out how many times with that one. In May 1990, David Spears, 43, was found stripped naked and shot six times. Five days later, Charles Cascadden, 40, was found shot nine times. On June 30th, 1990, 65-year-old Peter Seams disappeared and the body was never found, so that's the one I referenced before. August the 4th, 1990, the body of Troy Burris, 40, was found. He'd been shot twice. September 11, 1990, Charles Humphreys, 56, was found, shot six times in the head and torso. And on November 19, 1990, Walter Antonio, aged 62, was found nearly fully naked, shot four times. Where were they all found? Near the I-78, 75, sorry. It's sort of in woods or in that area, general area, but they there's a map of where all these people went missing from. And, and so she sort of covered this territory. Yeah. Uh, sort of around, I think it was Daytona Beach and then sort of surrounding areas. And they, right. she travelled around a bit. Yes. And what, what would happen is she'd take the car and then they'd go. They, I can't remember where they were living, but they were living in a motel. It was like something out of a film really they were living in one of these you know rubbish flea-ridden hotels which was a step up for them because you know she'd been homeless and uh, for a lot of the time yeah yeah so it was a big deal for her and then they'd move from there or they'd get kicked out of one place or another and then they'd move around and of course she started to move around as well because she had this concern about being caught for getting caught yeah killing people yes now our Lee wasn't a criminal mastermind she may have been able to get away with the first one or two murders because like no one knew what they were looking for, but she did get sloppy 
and she took items from the victims and pawned them. Her fingerprints were in some of the cars and due to her extensive rap sheet, it didn't take very long for police to have her as a prime suspect because, of course, they had her fingerprints on file due to previous things. One of the victims' cars was crashed by Tyria. So Tyria was driving this car. Lee was a passenger and they smash it for no apparent reason into someone's driveway or something. And the people came out. It was witnessed by a bunch of people. And at that point, they created the people who gave this uh, testimony and said, we saw these two girls, uh, were able to help the police to create a composite sketch that then was all over the news. Now, having watched the film Monster, Clarky, you said you've seen it, Christina Ritchie plays the character of Shelby, which is a semi-fictionalised version of Tyria. And I don't even know why they gave her a different name mm. because Tyria's name is openly available publicly. So yeah. I, I didn't quite understand. Maybe it was a legal thing, don't know. But anyway, she's really horrified when she sees this sketch on the TV because she's thinking, they know it's us, this, our faces are on the television, you know, anyone's going to notice us, they're going to come and get us. And she really was very um, concerned about that. For smashing and the car or because her partner had been on a killing They were screen. linking, they were link, people were starting to link, the, oh, sorry, perhaps I didn't no, did this, Taria, the car they smashed, yes, yes, she did know, yeah. No, that's yeah, all I'm asking, that. so she, was, she mm. did know. I didn't know if she was aware of the other stuff, right, she knew. Oh, okay. yeah. So oh. the car they smashed, I believe, was Peter Sims, the man who never uh-huh. yeah. um, it was found. Yeah. And it was a red car and she knew it was a car that had come from okay, one of these of, people. One of the jobs. And that was part of her problem was like they can identify us, uh, yes. you know, they've seen us in the car. Yeah. yeah. So at the time and subsequently after that, don't ask me why, media outlets, including 60 Minutes Australia, In 2019, in a report about this story, 60 Minutes ran, they called her the first female and sometimes the first American female serial killer. What? And it's wrong. Correct. Because it's very disrespectful to Lavinia Fisher, Jolly Jane Topper, Amelia Dyer, Nanny Doss, Madame LaLaurie, who are all female serial killers in America doing their thing well before Lee Warnos was. And all I have to say... Just fact check, people. Yeah, yeah. Shame, shame, shame. That's shit journalism and there's our first crime. (laughs) (laughs) I was really annoyed by it because I'm thinking that's not I know that's not right. So I'm now going to share for you the composite sketch. Okay, can you see my screen? Oh, yes. God, what is that? That reminds me of Bert Newton on the right. (laughs) Very much a moon face. Very much a moon face. So uh, for the people listening to this uh, and not being able to see what I've got, this is the composite sketch, widely available if you look it up on YouTube. And uh, in my opinion, I wouldn't say that if I saw this on TV, I'd immediately say, oh, I know where those two girls are. Let me show you what the ladies actually look like. So this is the two ladies in question. Oh, brilliant. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Great. Bang thing. on. So that's, our, that's Lee and that's Tyria. That's Tyria a bit younger. And just for shits and giggles, I couldn't help myself, I put them side by side against their composite sketch oh, so that you could truly oh, appreciate how She good. does look like it there. I reckon that's, that's like an older. Hair. That's an older and that looks more like her. Less attractive version of Tyria, yep. And also, can you appreciate the casting genius of Christina Ritchie? How sympathetic and kind was that? Yeah, yeah, that's because Christina Ritchie is much, much less road hard and put away wet. 
Anyway, and yeah. here's the sketch of Lee next to her composite uh, no, against yeah. herself. And I, I, I think that's a lot less. She had very pale eyebrows, and yet in the composite sketch she's got, what would you call that, Carla, Kardashian eyebrows? Like no, very... just drawn on. Like once you'd plucked your other ones and then you drew some in. Drew yep. them on, right, okay. But I think that, um, um, is it Taria? She, in the older photo, she, I would have thought, if someone had shown me that, I would have thought it was a man. Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, I agree. Very masculine yeah. But in Bert the first Newton. picture, she's not so much. <laughs> Bert Newton with a mullet wig on. <laughs> I, yeah. I picked this one where she's looking younger because I suspect at the time this was all happening, this is probably more what she looked like. Okay. So yeah. it's a photo of her and her youth. Isn't that interesting? So yeah, I actually yeah. think, though, looking at those, if you, like, for me, if somebody said to me, what does that person look like and sat me down with a police sketcher, I don't mm. know that I could actually explain it to the point where it actually looked like them. Well, it's mm. funny you should say that because um, I got off on a bit of a tangent when I was doing this and I downloaded a piece of software where you could do your own composite sketches. <laughs> Brilliant. You How did, did that go? You did get a little bit sidetracked, yes. <laughs> I did. And I got out of time. I ran out of time, but I, I did one of Carla and in the oh! end Tony thought that it looked like a really rough-looking Jennifer Aniston, but I thought it was Bernadette Peters. It was, for me, the, the chin I had, the mouth I had, the eyes, looked nothing like Carla is the point and much more like Bernadette Peters. Don't ask oh, me why. I, I wish you had have taken a snapshot of that and then put it up against <laughs> whoever Bernadette Peters is, rough-looking Jennifer <gasps> Aniston and Carla, and we could have I'm a bit a, embarrassed because I know lineup. the name, but I can't. Is, is it musical theatre? Massive theatre. Yes, yes. Yeah. Huge musical theatre and film, stage yes. and screen uh, star. And, yes. yes, that's why you heard the sharp intake of breath when you said yes. whoever she is. Yeah. So on January the 9th, 1991, Lee was arrested on an outstanding warrant at the last resort, Bikabar, in Volusia County. Good name. Police, police, it was the last resort. Yeah. Police located Tyria the next day in Scranton, Pennsylvania. She agreed to elicit a confession from Lee in exchange for immunity from prosecution. Tyria returned with the police to Florida where she was put up in a motel. Under police guidance, she made numerous phone calls to Lee, pleading for her help in clearing her name. Lee, obviously unaware that Tyria was with the police at the time, told her she'd confessed to ensure Tyria would be safe from prosecution. So effectively... She's on the phone to her and I've heard these phone calls because they were played in uh, the court and she says, my family are going nuts, you know, they're asking my sister stuff and Lee's saying, why are they asking your sister? They've got me on some other charges, nothing to do with the murders, just relax. And she's like, well, she doesn't actually say it that clearly because she actually says they record these so, you know, can't just say anything. She's not that dumb. And... um Tyria just keeps pushing and saying, you know, I'm going to go to jail for something that you did. You need to tell them. And in the end, she goes, don't worry, baby. I won't, you know, Lee's like, don't worry. I won't let anything happen to you. I'll confess. And three days later, she confessed to the murders. Wow. Uh, she claimed the men had tried to rape her and she killed them in self-defense. And now here is where the story does get quite wild. On November 1991, get this, <laughs> Lee was legally adopted by a woman called Arlene, who was a 44-year-old born-again Christian. So Lee's 35, I think, at this point, and she's in jail for these murders. And this woman who saw her picture in a paper 
said, God told me that I have to love Lee, that she couldn't God. possibly do any of these things. She's really, really, you know, <laughs> innocent and that she had to look after her and adopt her. And having had no children of her own and she wanted a family badly, so she adopts, legally adopts a 35-year-old woman who is currently facing charges. Just facing charges for murder. Florida woman much? Anyone? Jesus. Mm. Goodness me. So that's weird in itself. And on January the 4th, 1992, Lee went to trial for the murder of Richard Mallory. Against her attorney's wishes, Lee testified at the trial. A defendant has a constitutional right not to testify and the prosecution couldn't call her to the stand. However, once the defendant testifies, any refusal to answer questions can be held against her by the court and jury. So, in other words, if you don't if you don't get up to testify, they can't call you as a witness, the prosecution, but once you're up, it's open slather. Game on. Yeah. Game on, Mole. During her testimony, <laughs> and this is really important, so focus. During her testimony, she repeated her claim of self-defence and gave an account of the night she killed Mallory. She alleged he tied her up, brutally beat and raped her, both anally and vaginally, poured rubbing alcohol in her anus, vagina and nose, and threatened to kill her. Fighting for her life, she grabbed her gun and shot him in self-defence. During cross-examination, she became agitated and angry because they were questioning whether that's true, and her attorneys repeatedly advised her not to answer questions and she invoked the Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination 25 times and she was the only defence witness. Lee's defence also raised an issue that soon after her arrest, three detectives on the case, as well as Tyria Moore, talked to the media to sell their story. Some people suspected such deals influenced the witnesses to exaggerate their stories for more lucrative offers. The defence argued Lee's statements in the videotape confession were obtained involuntarily and in violation of her right to due process, despite the fact she was advised of her Miranda rights and provided with a public defender who advised her not to make any lengthy statements, law enforcement's exploitation of her relationship with Moore in obtaining the confession so impaired her mental state and level of functioning that she didn't have a rational understanding of her rights and the advice of counsel. The trial court rejected this argument and denied the defence motion to suppress the videotaped confession. Moreover, the videotaped confession had already been leaked to the media, further influencing the public's perception of Lee. The prosecution were allowed to introduce evidence of her prior arrests to determine a pattern of behaviour. We've talked about that in other cases where, you know, you think you're not supposed to bring it up, but if it's showing that there's a pattern, then they can actually submit it. However, detectives on the case failed to uncover that Mallory, her first victim, had served 10 years in a psychiatric hospital for attempted rape and when the defence tried to introduce that as evidence, the judge, Uriel Blount, who came out of retirement specifically to try this case, disallowed it and denied Lee's request for a retrial. Wow. At her sentencing, psychiatrists for the defence testified that Lee was mentally unstable and diagnosed her with borderline personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder. The jury found Lee guilty on all counts, including first-degree murder and armed robbery after less than two hours of deliberation. And angry Lee shouted, Sons of bitches, I was raped. I hope you get raped, scumbags of America. Now, this outburst likely was fresh in the jurors' minds as they began the sentencing phase the next day. Makes sense. She probably shouldn't have said that. 
Although the judge found the following non-statutory mitigators, one, Lee suffered antisocial and borderline personality disorders, two, she may have been physically abused as a child, three, her natural father and grandfather committed suicide. Oh, I forgot to tell you that. The grandfather committed suicide too, sorry. Her grandmother died an alcoholic. Her mother abandoned her as an infant. The judge allowed the jury's recommendation of death and sentenced Lee to the electric chair on January 31st, 1992. And that, and that was for killing just Mallory? That was just the one, yep. Okay. Yeah. So the thing about that case, which is, or that particular trial, which is interesting, is that, that there are other hearings held for the other murders. This one's just about Richard Mallory. Yeah. And they wouldn't allow, they'd allow us to talk, or they'd, sorry, they would allow the evidence to come in about her bad moral background and all the rest of it. But when we want to talk about the fact that he had spent 10 years for attempted rape, and remember she has alleged that he raped her, and she alleged that before the court case. She didn't know he was uh, already a, co- a convicted rapist. She didn't know any of that. She just said, this is what happened to me. And they said, no, that's got nothing to do with this. Tough. That is also the only jury trial that Lee had. Her adopted mother, Arlene, and new lawyer who calls himself, and I shit you not, Dr. Legal. Oh, Jesus. A bloke called Stephen Glazer who was a pot-smoking musician hippie-turned-lawyer, convinced her to plead... <laughs> it's, it's quite a mouthful. It's, it sounds like a superhero. Like, I'm a, I'm a pot-smoking musical hippie by day and then I jump into a phone booth as needed and I become Dr. Lawyer. Dr. Legal. Dr. Legal. Dr. Legal, yeah. sorry, yeah, and I save people. Oh, he doesn't wow. save anyone. I'll get on to the Nick Broomfield piece, bit in a minute, but... um. This is when it all went a bit pear-shaped for me because I started to watch this. The, a lot of this comes from the um, Arlene Warnos selling a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's about the negotiations that take place between this Arlene, sorry, Arlene Warnos, not Arlene, Arlene and uh, Stephen Glazer around interview fees to be telling this story in this documentary. And... Nick Broomfield says, I, I, we don't pay fees and they're demanding $25,000, you know, to help good old Steve out because, you know, he's just doing all this for nothing and he's just trying to help uh, Lee. Lee's aware of that and she's sort of okay about it but at the same time she's in a prison so, you know, she's, yeah. she's getting all of her information from this allegedly mother who loves her and Steve. It opens, there's a scene when, when he first meets this guy and... I was so confused. I thought I was watching YouTube and I thought, oh, someone's cut some other video in here. None of this makes sense because we see this guy who, if I were to cast him in a new film about Stephen Glazer, I would pick Seth Rogen with a really big beard. So he's this overweight kind of Seth Rogen-like character. With a really big beard. likable. Yeah, kind of likable, affable, chubby folk bloke, you know. And he's sitting on a porch of this house and next to him he's got a Frankenstein monster. Oh, and Jesus. I can't remember what this thing's called, but the the camera is looking at this and I'm like, what, what? What's, I, I was so confused. Like, what am I looking at? And it pans back and he goes, oh, yeah, I made this thing with, with my own hands, with my own hands. <laughs> he actually does that. And he's talking about how when his dog died or ran off, he made this monster to keep, uh, drug addicts and people away from his house because he lived in a teepee with that monster for two years and then he finally got a home. And he's, oh. I mean, this is the level of 
uh, defence lawyer that this woman has, right? This, um, this is relevant and I think that's why it's in the documentary because you you almost can't believe it. You're like, what? <laughs> okay. Arlene and Dr. Legal convince Lee to plead no contest. I know. Oh, no. I, I keep thinking of Mr. Wendell. You know that song? <laughs> yeah. Dr. No. Doctor. Oh, God, I haven't heard that in a long time, yeah. Legal, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they convinced her to plead no contest to the murders of Charles Richard Humphreys, Troy Eugene Burris and David Andrew Spears. So no contest, guilty. Yep, I did it. Right. What Lee didn't know that Arlene was, re- was receiving money for giving those interviews, including the one with Mick Broomfield. And he allegedly paid her $10,000. Part of the money went to Dr. Legal. Chief Assistant Public Defender Tricia Jenkins, whose office handled Lee's Volusia County trial, accused Glazer of mishandling Lee's subsequent cases and appeals. Jenkins testified that Glazer never picked up the discovery files from the case, even as he prepared the next case in Marion County. Instead, he filed a notice that he was taking over the case and a motion to change her original not guilty plea to no contest on the same day. He told me he was taking the case because he needed the media exposure, Jenkins said. Fucking hell. Yep. So going back to Nick Broomfield, who I've talked about a little bit, uh, he interviewed Dr. Legal. Did he pay? He did. There was a, There was this whole... A rather amusing negotiation where Dr. Legal's sort of trying to not say, look, you know, you have to pay this amount of money. But he's clearly saying it needs to be this amount. And he's like, at the end, Mick's like, so who do I give the money to? Do I give the money to you? Do I give it to you? And it's on camera. All of it's caught, right? So you see that this negotiation goes down. Nick interviews Dr. Legal. And Lee had at this point started to tell some inconsistent stories about the killings. She claimed initially that all seven men had raped her while she was working uh, as a sex worker, but later recanted the claim of self-defence, saying robbery and a desire to leave no witnesses was the main reason she killed them. But this is the bit where I get the most conflicted. So in the first film, and I can't remember which one it's in, first or second film, she's adamant the whole way through that these men had signalled whether they'd attacked her or they had signaled that they were going to, there was something she found aggressive or frightening in their behaviour and that's why she shot them. That's that's her defence the whole way, time, whole way through. And she says, you know, they say that because of the number of them it couldn't be self-defence because, you, you know, how could it be self-defence for seven different people? Mm-hmm. The reality is sex work is dangerous and women get beaten and attacked in the, in the field of sex work all the time. So... And I'm not saying that the six men post-Mallory did do anything to her other than frighten her, but I don't think that you could ignore it. If she tells the truth about that first one and he brutally rapes her in the way she describes it in her testimony in court and it is awful, then you can imagine she would have had PTSD going back out and being in these situations. So anything that looked a bit the same could have triggered a, a violent reaction from her. We've already seen from her previous behaviour that she has a tendency to go fly off the handle a little bit anyway with her bar brawling and all the rest of it. I'm not justifying it, but I'm <laughs> saying you can, you can imagine how this went down. Anyway, the bit that upset me was she'd been going through, so she's now on death row. Um, he goes in to see her and she's the camera's rolling and I don't know if you've seen I can't remember what it's called the one with Robert Durst in it who was also a serial killer he gets caught out um 
he basically accidentally confesses to murder because he thinks he's off the mark and he gets picked up. But the same thing sort of happens here in that she's saying, Nick comes in and she says, oh, look, I, I don't want to go to the death, uh, the execution chamber with a conscious carrying the fact that I've lied, so I want to come clean with you. And he says, what are you talking about? And she says, look, I, I've said all along it's self-defence. It wasn't self-defence. I just killed these guys. And he goes, what are you talking about? She's, and she says something like, you know, I was doing the lion biz, you know, I was just lying. I just made up a really good story, you know, but I'm not going to get off. Less than 1% of people on death row ever get pardoned or get off it. It's not going to happen for me. So I may as well just be truthful and tell you that I just robbed these guys. There was nothing more to it. And I killed them so that they wouldn't be able to identify me. And you can see he's like, not buying it because he spent a long time interviewing her and other people and yep. doing this doc this first documentary and really building the story and he's like uh, sorry can you say it again and they turn the camera and they tell her that the camera is no longer filming and the cameraman moves away a bit but they are still filming and so they're not directly in her face so to her she thinks it's all turned off but you hear this whole conversation and then Nick says look the camera's not rolling now I just need to ask like, is it self-defense? Was it self-defense? You know, just, just almost between us, you know, it was kind of, he doesn't quite say that, but he, he infers that. And she says, yeah, yeah, it was self-defense, 100%. But no one's going to believe me. And I cannot, I cannot do life in jail. I cannot live this way. I don't want anything to come in the way of me getting an execution warrant. I want them to kill me. I, wow. I want to die. I want this to be over. Uh, yeah, which I found really mm. upsetting when I listened to that. Yeah. Whew, okay. And throughout the whole process uh, earlier on as well, when Steve, when he's asked Steve uh, why he said go no contest, when he took over the case, Lee apparently had said to him then, look, you know, I did it. I deserve the death penalty. Just, you know, let them kill me. And he took that at face value. And said, oh, okay, and that, and that's part of the reason that he went no contest on the other six cases. And Nick Broomfield and some others have later said that Steve was nice enough, but he, his evident lack of experience led to him take that at face value and thought, yep, she's okay with it, so I won't do any work around trying to defend her because it's not He's a shit wants. doctor. He's a shit doctor for sure. So the relationship between Lee and Arlene, her new adoptive mother, strangely was not to last. Lee began to suspect that Arlene was only there for the no, purpose of money. No, really? I know, I know, I know. Lee told Broomfield in an interview that Arlene and Glazer were telling her ways to kill herself in prison. Uh, she suspected that they advised the no contest plea because Glazer was too inexperienced to handle a multiple murder trial. Uh, and in June 1992, defeated by the loss of her once trusted friend Arlene, Lee pled guilty to the murder of Charles Cascadden uh, and received her fifth death sentence. In February 93, she pled guilty to the murder of Walter Antonio and was again sentenced to death, so six things. And I did see her. They, she was getting really fed up with having to go and have these hearings and she actually said, what is the point of this? You know, you can't. how many times do you think you can kill me? I'm already... I've already got yeah, a death yeah. sentence. Six That's more. What, I say that a lot this too. I agree. You know. Like, <laughs> yeah, she, like she was over 20 it. She was well over it, yeah. Come on. Be better. What's the point? Yeah. During her plea to the court, she held to her statement that Mallory had raped her. 
In a rambling statement, she said, I wanted to confess to you that Richard Mallory did violently rape me, as I've told you, but the others did not. They only began to start to, and that's what I was talking about before, you know, this sort of trigger stuff. On May 15, 1993, Judge Thomas Sawaya rendered three more death sentences. She turned to Assistant State Attorney Rick Ridgway and hissed, I hope your wife and child get raped in the arse. She made an obscene gesture and and muttered, motherfuckers. Ooh. I think she wasn't very happy. She's not that. a very likeable oh, yeah. character, is she? <laughs> That's part yeah, of the problem yeah. is that she's she's not likeable. She's got very wild eyes. She comes across as a, as quite yeah. scary. Um, but then in other times, in other interviews, she doesn't. She's she's a very damaged that, I, person. I think that's the whole point. Yeah. Her Her whole background is so traumatic that she you know like if you're sitting there going do i want to fight to stay alive when my life has been what it's been you're probably going what i just don't Mm. like fuck and what's also sad is that whole arlene can't Uh, think of her last name i had it and i've auto corrected it out by accident it's probably you know freudian whatever her bitch face name was she had said oh you know when you get out you can raise horses and she wolves again florida woman this woman, this Florida woman, Arlene, has a ranch or whatever you call it, where she raises horses and That's she an wolves odd combo. because she thinks they're. Uh, yeah, I thought it was weird. Well, wolves, but you know. So apparently, that's what they were going to do, and I think Lee had built into this sort of fantasy of getting out and having a life that wasn't sex work anymore. It wasn't all of those things. It was just living with Arlene and the horses and the she wolves, uh, which is also, in my mind, even more sad to create this sort of. Ideal idea of hope for this woman who, you know, really had hadn't had much of that in her life anyway. So um, there were some appeals. I think it got a bit murky for me. Couldn't work out what was going on um, up until the end of her life, but they were all rejected. One last attempt to evidence the failure of her defence and to get her a, a retrial failed. And October the 9th, 2002, Eileen Warnos was executed by lethal injection at Florida State Prison. In her last statement, she said, I'd just like to say I'm sailing with the rock and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus June 6th, like the movie, Big Mothership and all. I'll be back. Did she say, did she say, I'll be back? (laughs) No, she didn't say that. Do I not, do I, is there a reference there that I don't? That I'm missing. Did you mean the rock? What did she say? It's not rock with a capital R. She's not talking about the rock. Johnson. Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson. Johnson. Oh, no. Well, that's a no. shame. Um, it's a bit confusing, yeah. actually. Uh, but I think there's some earlier on. She's got some Star Trek references in right. in other rambling statements she makes. She's very big on Jesus, though. She's very. Is she? She's at, she says repeatedly, "I'm going to heaven." I'm the victim of abuse. I'm going to heaven. Uh, I was, you know, defending myself. Do, do you know if at any point it. she said, I've found Jesus? No, See? no, it wasn't really that No, kind of but that's the problem. If like... she had have said, I've found Jesus, that's when you get off, isn't it, Carla? When yeah. you, you, you go to jail and say, I've found way to Jesus. It. You don't have to have to slay a whole heap of people to find Jesus. I think you can go down to the local church and they'll help you out. I have a feeling though that she wasn't anti God prior, so it wasn't right. like when she got to church she was she discovered Jesus. No. I think she probably when already she got to jail. She'd already heard Jesus. of him. Church. What did I say? Church. Get to church. <laughs> <laughs> Another Freudian slip. We Sorry are so that. good at those. It's uh, great. <laughs> 
I'm a bit tired, sorry. Yeah, so she was pronounced dead at 9.47am and she was the 10th woman to be executed in the United States since 1976 and the second woman ever executed in Florida at the time. Shwiti, what year was that again? Could you just remind me? In 2002. 2002. So she'd been on death row for nearly 10 years or just on 10 years. Most accounts will tell you that she refused her last meal, opting for a no cup KFC. of coffee. In... <laughs> Excuse me, I haven't finished my oh. sentence. In Eileen Warnos, Life and Death of a Serial Killer, which is the second uh, Nick Bromfield thing, her friend Dawn says that they met for her last meal and it was, you guessed it. No! Well done. It's such a good last meal. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Dirty bird. Oh, God. Do you reckon they get the bucket? You'd have to get the bucket, wouldn't you? There's a $20 limit, apparently. But um, her friend. What? That's not okay. Her friend Dawn bought it. Yeah, but her friend Dawn bought it. So the whole rubbishness about the cup of coffee, right? So the other day, a while back, we were, for whatever reason, we caught a bit of Jeopardy, you know, the US. um, Yes. Or one of those. What is? Mm. And the question was, it was um, serial killers. And the question was, whose last meal was a cup of coffee or whose last meal was whatever. I can't remember what it was. Or what was Arlene Warnos' last meal, whatever. And the answer was, what is a cup of coffee? And it turns out that's not true either. This is one of these fallacies. Because Dawn said, oh, no, no, she knew I was bringing the food. I read in another account that it was meant to be two calzones. But then then I heard (laughs) her talking in this... um, yeah, yeah. And then I heard in this other thing that it was actually KFC and, you know, for our storytelling purposes. Totally KFC. KFC. Yeah, yeah. Without so doubt it's that. KFC. So in terms of cultural legacy, there are multiple films of her life and an opera. Oh. And that's right. And it wouldn't be a Schmitty gem if I didn't share, sorry, a Schmitty story if I didn't share this gem with oh, you. goodness. Brace yourselves. Yeah, brace yourself indeed. Warnos, Act One. It's got a real Wozzeck feel about it for me. Basically, it's all right. It's nice. It reminds me of sort of Schoenberg. It has no relationship to the story. No, it does. It's about her life. I'll go forward because obviously that's all the, the weird stuff. They don't play that music while you're being raped. Okay, here we go. Can anyone tell me what's happening here? Because I have no idea. Oh, that's the shower scene. <laughs> I think they're, they, do we think they're like representative of death This is when he's getting the rubbing alcohol. Oh, don't. <laughs> that's not funny. You saying that's not funny is funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was awful. It really was awful. I love the fact these people are just holding that position. I know. They must be like, this. come on, hurry up. This is the longest bloody overture. How can they do that? I thought they were like cutouts. No, they're, they're people. 
Is there any songs that he's singing in his opera? This is shit. <laughs> get get back oh, to the story. Here it is. That was her. She said oh. something there. Hang on. What do we got over here? Oh. Okay. It's, it's so worse than our industry. Were there any not... comments underneath it? And that's exactly what I was. You people keep jumping ahead on my Sorry, comedic timing here. Oh. The one comment on this sums it up beautifully. What is this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Thunder. From Thunder three Good years on you, ago. Thunder. Yeah. All right. So that's the opera. Okay. So now other bits to tell you. What I will say is uh, obviously Tyria uh, took a plea bargain or had immunity because um, she c- completely cooperated and helped uh, to get Eileen to confess to the murders. There is some evidence that she was at the place where that man disappeared from. So it is possible she was actually involved in some of the deaths, but we don't know for sure. And certainly Eileen never said a word about her being involved in sa- In fact, always said she wasn't. Uh, but we know that she wanted to protect her lover. And then the other thing that absolutely killed me was the Nick Broomfield stuff when he went around to visit various people and tried to get some more, you know, journal, investigate more and more things. Yeah. A couple of things that came out, he's, he went to that last resort bar to speak to some of the um, the bikers. And the he's last told, resorters. Yeah, he's told to go in and talk to a man who knew Lee really, really well, and his name is The Human Bomb. That's not and his he name. Was performing. Oh. He was performing, right? His name's probably Doug the Matthews or was, something. No idea. The <laughs> performance, though, was him with a sheet in front of him. And Tony has explained to me that there was a reason there's this sheet there. Sheet in front of him. He's lying on what could be a couple of milk carton crate type things. And someone sets off a small bomb very close to him. And he is blown about two or three meters back. And that's his performance, the human bomb. Oh. And I, it's what just like, what? have I just tuned into another episode? This oh. is <laughs> why exactly, exactly. Oh. What? Oh. What are we talking about? This I, guy I, I, who is supposed to be a person who knew Lee really, really well. Yes, on this documentary, and all you see of him is him getting himself <laughs> blown up and blown away. And then he gets up, and the guy Nick Bromfield walks up to him and he says, "Can we talk to you about Lee?" And he says, oh, "Yeah, look, I did know, but." Can you just give me a minute? I'm a bit dizzy. I need to walk this off. And he never appears in it again. That's... But I think it's kept, they keep it in just to show how wacky this yeah. whole God. world is that she was Tony, why did you I need think? the sheet? If it doesn't contain an explosion, it it, it doesn't actually uh, have any effect. So oh, the right. IRA often made this mistake. They, they put something somewhere and they wouldn't contain the explosion. So the big the big kind of uh, tank of fuel that they wanted to blow up didn't blow up because they didn't contain the right. explosion uh, around right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a sheet contains it. The good thing about a sheet is it gives way after this explosion. Yeah, it burst into flames. I reckon you two are like Bonnie and Clyde. Like I reckon you've got <laughs> every, ready to go. every... I think we will need to contain that Every explosion. murder you guys could just nail. Oh, I didn't know that, but it made sense. I, I understood oh. it. I thought, okay, to get the force. And that's why he's blown backwards because the, the sheet is there that provides 
some kind of block to the force and the force goes to push him backwards. The whole thing was I just don't crazy. know why. I was hoping there was going to be some puppetry of the penis gag where, like, yeah. you know, you need this sheet so you can do a hamburger or whatever it is. But the weirdest part about the whole sheet thing, and I do encourage you to watch this on YouTube, is that he's, this is a performance, right, and the sheet is in front of him. The crowd is in front of the sheet. So you can't actually see him from where the yeah, crowd right. are. So he gets blown away, but it's only because the cameraman's come around to try and talk to him that we so even see that on the camera. Back. I'm like, this is the worst yeah. performance yeah. ever. And yeah, people yeah, pay yeah. for it. Do it the other way. Get blown forward into the audience. Uh, who is knows? They, they were bikers. Yeah. They were bikers. He's, not, he's not the main yeah. act. Yeah. There's something else going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a singer later. But or a anyway, drug we don't deal. see much more of know. him, which was yeah. weird. And then was the other thing though? was this. Like Steve. once is enough. <laughs> you don't want to say any more of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing um, that was interesting was that in that first documentary, Steve Glazer is on. They they go to the Doctor Legal. Doctor Legal. Doctor Legal and Nick. I'll have you, Doctor Legal. <laughs> they go to the by his correct uh, title. Right. They go to the prison where Lee is because she has. Doctor Legal says I can get you in. I'll get her to talk to you. And I don't know how long the drive is, but Dr. Legal describes it as a seven-joint drive. Oh. And he Whoa. proceeds to smoke I reckon seven that's joints about, on his way. That's about 20 out. years for me. Same here. It would be a long time. Oh, that's a long drive. Longer. You know, I'd be lucky to have one every yeah, 23 a, years or something. So that's a, a seven very long puff drive, drive yeah. maybe. <laughs> Not a... Seven joints, right? And and it's all he can, all of this on camera. And he... That he's listening to his own music in like on the, on the tape deck. He's in as they're driving. His music, by the way, is quite good. He's not a bad musician, and he likes to show that off. He clearly, his what he's music done, is Dr. good. Legal, his legal is terrible. He's clearly seeing this. It's almost like this. He's true. He's a very um, inexperienced person, and he's suddenly become a bit of a celebrity through this situation. And he kind of can't help himself. He's got a bit over, you know. He's got carried away with it. I think. Anyway, what make, made that whole seven joint thing, apart from going, oh, my God, this is the worst Dr. Legal ever, if there's another one on the planet, they better be better. <laughs> Dr. Legal um, 2, that, Electric like... Boogaloo. <laughs> exactly. Apart from that, you just because you think, oh, you're going to a state penitentiary and you're going to be absolutely off your face, but whatever. They get there. In the next film, what happens is, about seven years later, uh, Nick Broomfield hasn't heard anything from Lee Warners for years, has gone on making other films, does other stuff. He gets subpoenaed to come to America and to give evidence. And he thinks he's giving evidence about what his perception of whether or not she was let down in that first case. Because this is, you know, I talked before about how they did try to prove that her defence was very poor and therefore she should have a retrial. And this is almost like the last stand for her. And Nick goes in and he's asked about this seven-joint journey. And the the defence, the ones on Lee's side, are trying to prove that Steve and others were rubbish and it must be the state prosecution, whatever, the ones proving that they weren't rubbish, go through this rigmarole of demanding from, Lee to, uh, from Nick to understand why he had a blue shirt on and then he has a white shirt on. In, in the in the vision and you know that could have been a five-hour journey and he says when you do the editing you cut and paste yeah you cut and paste and he and he tries to make out that they have put a scene from something else in to make it look like he's been smoking those joints when 
in point of fact, he hasn't. They're trying to suggest that it was all made up and it was all done by the documentary makers. Nick Broomfield is very British and instead of saying, no, that is not how these things work, we will have cut bits out because we can't show you six hours of this footage, but we would never have chronologically changed the order of events. So he must have changed his shirt, but he that was still the same car ride. Because he's sort of thrown by the, the the questioning. He just says, well, I can give you the rushes. I can, we've still got the footage. I can show you the raw footage. And the guy goes, well, you know, you didn't uh, submit them to evidence, did you? And he's like, I didn't even know that, that you were going to ask me this and I didn't know that they needed to be evidence. But, again, it's just all this crap yeah. about trying to prove that there is nothing to see here. There is, she has, you know, no one, no one wants to give her any leeway. And then he got the flip side. He got all these people who were the the uh, victims' families who absolutely want her to be put to death, who think she's a monster and the worst thing ever. No one mentions that you know perhaps their partners, fathers, sons, uncles, cousins, whatever, shouldn't have been picking up prostitutes. But um, you know, we'll we'll just let that one go. That's my case. Um, I think, as I said, I was very um conflicted because I don't really usually look at a case where someone's killed seven people and think there's something in it that there's some mitigating factor. It's, it's pedestrian. She definitely killed seven people. No, no that, that, what I meant by that was all this shenanigans afterwards was the interesting yeah, yeah, piece. Yeah, I agree. The, the seven murders are shootings. There's no premeditation that like, we could tell. It, like in you know isolation, I mean? like you not... put her on death row because of the seven murders, 100%. When you talk about yeah. the story behind it, it's very complicated there's a lot more to it and look she herself would have put herself on uh death row well she Um, tried to commit she tried to die by suicide six or seven times didn't you many a time yeah. yeah yeah and i think the other thing in florida i should have put it in here but i didn't you don't automatically get the death penalty for a single murder Ah, right. There are a series of criteria. So you could kill someone in Florida and not not necessarily get the death penalty. There are a series of criteria of which killing more than one person and and involving robbery, aggregate robbery, robbery, that's what turns it into it. So had she not stolen the car, she might not have got the death penalty. In a world where there is some justice, if she had felt like, if she had truly been raped in the way that she described by Richard Mallory, if she had killed him in self-defence and gone to the police at that point in time, she may have ended up um, doing time. She may, she probably wouldn't have got the death penalty, but it's very hard to say because she had all these priors and people saw her like trash. Yeah, so it's a really tough one in a lot of ways, although I think there are a lot of people that you could go to town on around the case. I, I, I personally don't want to sentence her any further than... Yeah, you know, I, I don't see. I see her as a victim as much as other people. I feel like that's as, as much as her. I feel victims. like the twenty odd years that she had before she started killing people mm. was worse than any punishment you could give her. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm kind of torn right because I think, you know, I I can see a world where if if she had have come out and said, you know what, I killed these men as almost revenge killings for the way that men have treated me to this point, you'd almost go, I can understand that and I can be a little bit empathetic towards that. I I don't doubt that the first one was rape, hearing what you've said. 
Neither I, do like, I. I think I think that would have you know even as a sex worker. Why would she it have? Sounds. Why would she have done sixteen years of that work and not killed anyone, and then suddenly start killing? Oh, people? I, look, I could imagine yeah. that there'd be something that would trigger that but but and so i think i know what it was it was the rubbing alcohol we'll see, i think that, that would trigger me that's the bit where i go that was fucking that's just as fucking it mean. is as, so as a sex worker you expect to have sex with people and probably do some kinky shit and get and get oh, yeah. paid for it right and so that's that's the yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the normal transaction i assume i don't yeah, think yes. you expect rubbing alcohol and all those other things and and it sounds like no. that was kind of a, a sex worker day in the life that went wrong and Horribly and therefore wrong. Yeah. you can kind of absolutely see the rape in that and particularly with someone who has priors god what on earth i, I think a good lawyer like regina lawless would have got her yeah. off that first one the others i'm not convinced and, and it's not to say that they, there wasn't rape but you don't hear the detail and oh, no you don't but also they didn't go that's to trial right. yeah, so, yeah. so part of the reason you don't hear that she never there was no, no testimony given on them. no yeah but I'm, I'm with you on that I'm with you on that I doubt that they did anything I think she may have just like they could have looked at her the wrong way she, yeah yeah you know, like if she point, became a man so hater through all of what she's been through i could understand that yeah. interestingly uh, there was uh, some psychologist or someone who oh, i can't remember who so sorry for the lack of detail or or you know whatever um some bloke did say that it would appear that she was basically killing her grandfather over that's and over what it feels again. like to me but but i just will add she had other clients through that year that she yeah. didn't kill. So she didn't go on and kill every man that she had a transaction yeah. with. It was only these particular ones. I, I just yeah, add no, no. to that. Like it relevant I, I think, or not. And so one of the things that occurred to me whilst you were telling that story is just around picking the right career and, and know it and knowing <laughs> when to walk away. So and, and I'm trying to make light of a bad situation, right? And, and you know, th th this whole yeah, issue yeah, yeah. of sex worker is something that I think is, you know, it, it's the oldest occupation in the world. It is something that women often get pushed into out of absolute necessity rather than anything else. And, and I respect that. And I think it, it has a place in society. If it's been going on for this long, there is a... A, a need for that as long as the woman is getting something out of that as well and it's not cigarettes and lollies it's actually money that helps her get to wherever she needs to be I think that's a, a reasonable transaction the rape side of it is not okay you know all of that it is not mm. right uh, so I, I still think at the end of the day she probably would have still ended up on the um on death row or, or yeah uh, I'm, I'm not saying that that shouldn't I have just happened. would have liked the justice Correct. to have played out a yep. bit more and someone to have been actually on her side, not just using her the Agreed. whole time. Um, what I was talking about was career advice and, and careers and whatnot. Sorry. Yes, so, right, yeah, yes. yeah. So I think, you know, if at my work I have an argument with someone and I know that an argument with someone is not like being raped, so, you know, listeners, please just, you know, take, take that into <laughs> oh, account. Yeah. But, you know, you have a bad day at work and then you respond a certain way. If you continually have the same bad day and you continually respond that way, either you need to get out of that job or you need to get some help. And I think, you know, if you're a sex worker and you're constantly being triggered to the point where you're killing people, 
that's not your career. And the reason I wanted to bring careers into it is also because of Dr. Legal, who clearly should never have gone into (laughs) being a lawyer. She should have stuck to a how a musician got, joint how, smoking hippie. Like, really? Did he even study law? Exactly. He lived in a teepee, right? If I decided to go and do a law degree right now, it would take, what, four or five years and cost me thousands and thousands of dollars. How could you, maybe that's why he lived in he, a teepee. He, he needed to, to, yeah. house. He needed to be, Bizarre. he needs a bit of rubbing alcohol and we might get to that later. <laughs> Does he, um, was he appointed to her, Schmidt? No, no. no. Arlene, whatever her name is, the adoptive mother hired him. And what also I found offensive in it was they started to refer to him as not just her lawyer but her agent. And Arlene was like, you'll have to talk to Steve. He's he's sort of my agent. And and it was just so gross. It was was so gross. And then you've got he goes in and he sees Lee and she's in prison and she's sort of – Kind of half oblivious, but then she's like, did you speak to them? You know, did, did they get the money? And he's like, yeah, they seem to only be interested in the money. And then she's a bit like, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's all they want. It's so It's awful. just a story anyway. of someone who's been abused to the point where they're just a shell and, you know, maybe sometimes they want to get revenge and other times they just want to die. Like I, I just imagine her life. I know. Well, I think the killing bit. I think you know that that notion of killing her grandfather over and over. I, I think there might Maybe. have been time, and I, I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. I actually could imagine why you would just go. You know what, mate? I'm having a bad day today, and you remind me of someone, and fuck me, you're dead. Like I, I could actually imagine that happening for someone like her. Yeah, I will say because you have seen the film, don't take the film to heart. There's a lot of fictionalization of in the film and the story. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. But I just, yeah. I just think in a in a world where you've been, tr- how do they paint her? Sorry, they they paint her. Um, do they? Do, they, I mean, they I, tell more about those other six victims than there's actually available. Is there any focus on her, or just a, like a, a nod to her upbringing, or is it what sort of? We don't know do anything go? about the upbringing. It's called in the Monster film. for a um, reason. Oh, really? Okay. I guess I would yeah. say. Well, yes. Oh. It's interesting because I wouldn't say it was wholly unsympathetic. No, I agree. Yeah. It depicts that she is raped. Okay. And it is one of the most horrendous things I've seen in a long time. It is Ooh. very, very violent the way. And I, and I think it's different to how she described it in her own testimony. But I, but I think they did that to make the point, to, to, to get across how brutal it was. Because I think sometimes if you see in, in the in the film she's lying on what looks like across the front seat of a car with her yeah. bare behind facing the passenger side door. She's tied up and he comes up behind her and it's not an you know, it's not gonna be super sexually explicit because of the nature of the film. Um so if he if we were to try to understand as the viewers what was happening, it yeah. would be difficult and I don't want to sound crass, to understand whereabouts he'd positioned himself in that whole thing. So in the book, in the sorry, in the film, he appears to be raping her with a wheelbarrow. Oh, Jesus. Which is, oh, which she didn't say that happened, but I not in the testimony I saw. But, but I think the whole point of that from the filmmaker's perspective was to have you have that reaction, right? To to have have us as the viewers go, oh, my God, that is the worst thing I've ever seen. And then he pulls out a big 
litre bottle of rubbing alcohol or something and pours it on her and she screams like nothing on earth because oh. it's so painful. And he says things which also Lee Warnos herself said in testimony, which was, go on, scream. I like it when they scream. I'll kill you like I killed the others. So she she does speak as though he has attacked other people and killed others. And I will say, as far as I can tell, no investigation has ever taken place as to whether or not that man has done had done anything in that time period. And I had a little look at missing women for the time period in 1988, which is when he would have been active. That's when that attack is said to have taken place. And there are two women from Florida of the same area who were missing and never discovered after that. Not saying they're connected, but it just made me wonder, did anyone ever follow up around whether he actually had done other stuff, whether or not he was, you know, like we all know he was dead, but but is there other stuff that they could have investigated? But they just went, she's a sex worker, don't care. Uh, yeah, that's the sad part. He's the victim in this. He's the victim in this. Schmidt, I know we weren't allowed to Google, but I'm allowed to look you now. Are, go ahead, yeah. It was and just my question is, yeah, yeah. no, is in relation to how quickly the movie came out. So the movie was being made. Did she get to interview... Did they meet Charlize and? Um, no, they didn't meet. But meet? but Charlize contacted and the, the production company contacted the agent. No, they contacted Dr. Legal. Dawn, Dawn, Dr. who Legal. was a very close friend, yes. school friend of um, KFC. Friend. Dawn, yeah, yep. yep. And Lee knew that this film was happening. Okay. And Lee gave permission for Dawn to share her letters to Charlize. Okay. And the Dawn and Lee wrote to each other almost every day while she was in prison. And so right. there's this huge amount. And Lee did all these beautiful ink drawings that when you put them up in the light, you can see them. Like she had a little bit of an artistic capability. Yes. And Dawn shows some of this in the um, documentaries. And she said that Charlize read these letters and got a real sense of how much more to Lee there was, there was. And, and how okay. much of a kind of complicated individual that she was that she and she cried when she read these letters and that was when dawn basically said to lee i think it's all right for her to do this i think she'll do yeah, it right she's been, yeah 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 but dawn uh, sorry i think lee was executed quite soon after that happened from what i could gather if i'm looking at it, I, the movie the movie saying I think 2003 release, and then I just went back and had a look and heard she was her executed death in October two, 2002. 2002. Yeah. So she did know it was in the making. Um, it she been, knew that Charlize yeah. Theron was going to play her. I don't okay. believe she ever met Charlize herself. Okay. Uh, but her friend Dawn kind of said, yeah, no, she'll be all right. She'll do a good job. Of and it. was Dawn a friend from Florida? From No, from Michigan. So from originally from the oh. – Dawn, Dawn grew up in the same uh, neighbourhood. Right. And she recount she talked about how awful the kids of the area were. Yeah. She talked about, you know, it's like you you and I probably both had childhood friends that you mucked about with, right? Yeah. Dawn was the only one who was always always consistently like nice to Lee. Okay. She said she saw these other kids treated like shit. And yep. it was, you know, as I was saying much earlier, there was a guy in the testimony where they were trying to show that she'd had these mitigating factors in her childhood and he 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 said and the look on his face was like it was really weird because he was talking about how yeah yeah when we were kids you know I, we had sex with her and I went in there and she was having sex they went into like a fort or he described it like they went to some place where the kids had a fort or something and he went yeah, in where they'd and, all have sex yeah she yeah. was having sex with her brother Keith yeah 
or some kind of sexual interaction with him. And she was about this, like 11 or 12 at this point in time. And this boy's like, oh, can I, you know, can I have a go? And this sort of continued and, and they said, but were you in a relationship? And she said, oh, she thought that I was her boyfriend, but but I was just having sex with her when I saw her. And when, and they said, well, what was it like with other when the other kids were around? And he said, I told her to go away. I threw rocks at her to get her to go away. And the look on this man's face, it wasn't, well, he wasn't proud. Him. Yeah. Oh, no, he wasn't proud. He, As an adult, he was like, oh, I mean, I'm telling the truth because I'm under oath, but yeah. this is really distasteful part of my, my growing my, up. Yeah. You know. But he didn't say, and I'm really sorry for all of that, but you could see it in his face. He was just so uncomfortable with what he was, had to say about how they had collectively treated this girl. Non-committal. Yeah. Thank goodness for Dawn. You know, Dawn was a great mate and Dawn, great. Dawn said, oh, you'll enjoy this. Oh, there's a couple of other things. Dawn said, and quote, we had no gay when we were growing up. Gay wasn't a thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> How very dare they. Because when she went to Florida, well, when she went to Florida and then she met Tyria. She got the gay. Yeah. She caught the oh gay. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. And um, Dawn's like, oh, that, that never happened. We didn't even talk about it. There were no gays at my school. She literally says this. And um, Nick Bromfield. No, oh, brothers no. and sisters were just banging each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's all above yeah. board. Your, grand, yeah, your granddad, who's not your, who told your dad, pedophilia and incest. We had yeah, that. that's all right, but they're not. We've it's not gay. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah, <laughs> that's distasteful. I did laugh because Nick Bromfield. She says, and I think this was made in you know ninety two or something. And she's saying it's only recently it's become a thing. You know this gay thing. And then she said she goes to him. The modern Fact times. Check that. She says, oh, um, you know, did you know any gays at school? And he goes, um, I went to a public boys' school in, oh, God. in the UK. Of yeah. course they were all gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God. Oh, jeez, I laughed. because oh, yeah, there would have been gays at my school yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was really funny. So what do we think about? This, I mean, it's a conundrum. Uh, not a conundrum. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like it's a, it's just complicated. Mm. Uh, yeah. What do we think, Carla? Do you want to go? <laughs> Would you like to go first? <laughs> oh, oh, not really. Not really. Um, I don't know. I mean, you've you've done what you set out to do, Schmitty, which was plant enough doubt in our minds that we would. She wasn't a monster. Yeah, and I was she I, not. I don't think that she was. I think she's she started to, but she was a bit yeah, mad. Right. I'd say. I mean, I mean, the she reality showed she's a murderer. That's of, for sure. She said she showed signs of madness. That's all. Well, yeah, she wasn't quite right, but I don't think that's why she killed people. So I think um, I'm going to go with a, a whole lot of it, it's a it's like a bit of bipolar, right? So she the the upbringing she had was horrendous, and I don't know how she would have survived that. I don't know how she got to where she was. But I think because of that, that they did create a monster. You know, all, all of these people who mm. did what they did to her, it's it's like death by a thousand cuts. Only you don't die, you keep living, and, and then you become this person who has um, a, a very different view on the world to what any of us would have. And so I think... Absolutely, the first bloke raped her, and he just sounds like a fuck. But but for her, that would have been rape number one hundred and fifty billion, or whatever. You know, like like her yeah. her upbringing. You, you can't imagine it. I can't imagine it. 
I think she should have got off the first one. Absolutely. I, I don't yeah. think, I, I, I don't have an issue with that bloke. Well, she should have got 20 years in oh, jail. But, I, I wouldn't yeah. even say yes. that. Like if, if someone is doing that to you, just because you're a sex worker, you don't deserve to be tied up and have I all agree. that happen. So I, I would actually be okay with her getting off in that situation. I think the ones after that, you know, like I said earlier, I don't have any knowledge of the detail, but I could absolutely see a place where she's gone, you know what, someone has done something, they might have tried to tie her up, they might have pulled out the fucking sanitizer to... You know the the hand sanitizer. Might have just said something a bit like yeah, what he yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. Like there, there could have been any it, number yeah. of things where she's just gone. Oh my god, this is going to be the same thing again. Oh fuck it, I'll just kill you. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not okay with that. I understand from her perspective why she would have done that, but but that's murder. There could also be a situation where it was self defence, although that's very much open to interpretation because from her perspective, if she's feeling threatened based on prior experiences, then she would think she's acting in self-defence. But from the male perspective, maybe they weren't thinking of doing anything like what she has experienced I'm, to that point. I'm pretty sure that the the men, the, those men weren't intending to hurt her in any particular way and she responded, well, I know you'll go there, Schmitty, so I will chirp in with what I think and I've decided to <laughs> you know how I always try and find other ones. I'm gonna leave that bit to you because I think you're very um aware and having seen what you've done you've you, you've got a more intimate understanding of the roles those people played later on. So I'm gonna go right back to the beginning and I'm gonna try and sentence in our trial by wine world those people who failed her at the very Good. Start. Brilliant. Yeah that's that really right. I really like yeah. that. Okay. So I'm gonna bring that focus back to the beginning and I I may get it slightly wrong, but the word that keeps coming back to me is degraded. That child was degraded from the very moment yep. she was really conceived, I guess, in some ways. There was never an opportunity. There was never somebody who stood up for her. Stood up for Don't her. say stood up um, for whore when we're she, talking about sex. Whore. Whore. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Sorry, I talked about so far. There you go. I apologize. Sorry about, sorry, Lee. Um, but, you know, when when the, the very people who are, you know, supposed to be the people that are looking after you are the perpetrators yeah. that really set off this whole cycle of just there's abuse and then there's just never, ever having somebody in your own home. In your court. Who would, yeah, yeah. who yeah. would give you any sense of love, belonging, safety, nothing. She had none of those things. In fact, she was just used and abused mm-hmm. by these people in, you yeah. know, like, like she was just a bit of paper. Like, I mean, there was, there was, she mm-hmm. just had no value no. to anybody except for what they could use it for and get out of her. So I, I'm reluctant. The mother, can you tell me the mum had her and put her up for adoption straight up? No, no, no. I think the mum, yeah, the, the mum didn't put her up for adoption. The mum no, abandoned she them. She left abandoned them. She, them. Left, then she them. left. She left yeah. Keith and Lee with her yes. own parents. I think three months after Lee was born. Okay. And then that's how they became the parents who were actually her grandparents but were positioned yep. as parents. Which they is quite adopted her and said they yeah. were parents but they were actually the grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. To be to be fair, I'm adopted and I don't really have a massive issue with the mum 
abandoning her and having good that that's neither here nor that's that's been done a million one times that's not great but it is what it is right she certainly wasn't if she wasn't in a position to look after the child perhaps she thought that her parents could where I would have an issue with that is I wouldn't be surprised if she was doing it to her own like they'd probably been doing it to her right maybe it is very sad Nick Broomfield found the mother and had (gasps) and spoke to the mother um just just before Lee's execution yeah and again it's really conflicting the mother was like she was a crying baby she was a difficult baby she was a not just a breach but she 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 went on about how she came out wrong she wasn't just a oh. breach birth birth what? she was some kind of so it wasn't just it wasn't just feet first or is it bum first so it's even harder yeah, was, yeah. she wasn't I around the right it. way right yeah and and the mother was basically suggesting that she was probably problematic yeah, for work. Yeah, she was though. a monster from the beginning. Yeah, all right, problematic. Damaged but, um, in some oh, way, do Somehow, you think? Yeah, that, yes, somehow yeah. yeah, damaged uh, or, or uh, you know, in, in that in that birth. But she didn't hang around very long, but she said that no. both both Keith and Lee were crying babies. She couldn't deal with them, so she left That's them. That's what babies do. Um, but, what was, but what was sad was that... God, you know, now we're going to get to what was sad because the rest of it's been a fucking... Happy time, like <laughs> Jesus. What I found sad was that the mother didn't know about the abuse. The mother didn't know. The mother thought she had left her child in the good care of parents right. and people. Okay. She didn't know that she had abandoned her to this awful So the mother situation. hadn't been through that same and thing then. Through with it the didn't dad. Sound like yeah, yeah. It's very terrible within oh, itself because she like checked it. in every um, other week. That's why I raise it. She didn't yeah. check exactly. in at all, and that's the issue. But and and on and on top of all of that, she said, "Tell Lee I'm really sorry about everything." Ugh. And and then she said, "When is the execution?" And he told her the date, and she said, oh, I'll, I'll "I'm feel going better. out for lunch that and day." Oh, she feel better. No, I'll feel better. Oh yeah, yeah right. So myself. she's right. And then he went right and, up there. It's terrible. He went and saw Lee, and um, he said, oh, "I spoke to your mother," and she went off her head and she was like you can tell that fucking good bitch, fucking yeah. i want nothing to fucking do with her she exactly. she went mental fair enough too i'm all cool yep. with that but anyway just just to your point about whether the mother had been a victim of abuse yes it's not evident well it sounds okay, definitely right. not but then again like... but then again no it's all cultural context right this woman yes. may not have turned around and said, oh, yeah, my, well, my father used to rape me too. Yeah, That's yeah, why I left. So, you know, we, we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. But yeah. if she yeah. thinks that she was leaving, if she's saying she thinks she was leaving them to a good home, I think you can read in, like read between the lines and go. I don't think she thought she was going to be abused. To this correct. In, in which was, case I don't think she was, was abused. She didn't know that she was homeless for two years. Right. Okay. Sorry, Carla, go on. Go back to these no, mofos, so, get them, smash them, yeah, smash them in the gutter. So, so I'll park mum, but I want to concentrate on dad slash granddad. <laughs> Even the brother I struggle a bit with. I think he needs to have some kind of thing, but it's more this it, idea that the grandfather cancer. really That'll do. Oh, there you go. That'll <laughs> do. So I can park him as well. It's granddad. Granddad yeah. really set it off for me. I just think, you know, here's a little girl that's been put in your care and you are raping her. He was a monster. And, he was a monster. Yeah, and then the kicking her out. And, and no, he would have known that she was around, that she was living in the woods and down the mm. end of the street. All he committed that. suicide, I think, not long after yeah. that. 
So I'm going to send him. And again, I, I, I sort of to your point about the other the kids in the neighbourhood, the kids who are taking advantage of it, I, I would like to have them feel a sense of degrada- degradation. Is that the right word? Yeah. Pretty yeah. Degraded. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I, I, don't, I don't quite know because if I start going down that track, it, I, then I sound like a bloody monster. But I'll leave that to us. Do you know what <laughs> yes, they, they need they need to feel you know what it, what it truly feels like to be have no power, have people use you, feel degraded, and be powerless against trying to do it because you have no home to go to, you have no one looking after you, you're just trying to survive. So they can they can do a, a small amount of degrading, or they can do something degrading in um, trial by wine world. But granddad, right? Well, let's send him off to trial by wine world. Big time. Mm-hmm. I, I always want to send people it's off. It's a to safe Pesel, landing, isn't it? But it's yeah. kind of no point. I don't. I don't think create a new world. Great deal of create, a, well. create something new. Yeah. Yes. Well, okay. I think maybe something. It has to involve a level of sort of something a bit torturous. Torture world where he is <laughs> <laughs> quicksand world. I could. I'm sure we could do a better name than torture world. But yeah, something that's, that alludes to that. Yeah, he just needs to suffer. You know, have someone who he thought maybe I don't know maybe his own parents. Let's assume there was somebody in his life that was supposed to, like, well, his parents, the role that they, you know, supposed to take care of him and and they totally did not, totally take advantage of him. They probably didn't already, yeah. Yeah, That's that's probably, this is the problem. When it comes to punishing someone, what are you punishing them for? Because it's this cycle of what becomes... What's the word I'm after? You know, it's part of the environment they grow up in. Uh, Not cyclical, um... Institutionalized. Institutionalized, totally. And, I mean, who are we to know what he had? And, you know, then you just find mm. out it's just one after the other and they, you know, they probably have very little. How do you break the cycle break and, and and really? Yes. But plenty of people do break the cycle, right? So, yes, you know, correct. just because you're you right. were abused doesn't mean you're going to become yep. an abuser. Maybe it does. You've got to do the work, haven't you, Carl? Exactly right. Yeah. You've got to do the You've work. You've got to put in. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. you know. Yeah. Sorry about that phrase. That's probably the wrong the phrase. Yep. You don't have to put in. I hate the expression "do the work." I do, do the work. It's so now, isn't it? Things. It's very all now. Do the work. Do the work. And they're like, "We're doing the work here." I'm like, "We're filling out a fucking questionnaire. This is not oh, doing the work." I got. Oh, no, I've seen people think, say that they've done the work. I've no, now done the work think. on myself, so I know what's you happening. You crazy so marketers! You've got to do the work. Yeah, you've got to do the work. Carla, I want to know: Are you going to bring out the biggest bottle? Of rubbing alcohol. Alcohol. Maybe it should be oh, rubbing alcohol idea. world. That's going to be my punishment. So now oh, I'm going to have to create sorry. a new no, no, one. No, no, no. I've got no, it. I've, okay. got, I've got it. I've got no, it. you can have that. It's, it's a water park. To your granddad. Right. It's a water <gasps> park where the water is all rubbing alcohol. Yes. And everyone. And all of them. All of the people that, you know, anyone who's listening to this thinks needs to go on a sentence. Has yep. just little Get micro douched. paper cuts. No, little paper cuts. No, 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 the, the, the slides are sandpaper. No, you and your sandpaper slides. Okay, fine. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> you slide down the slide, which is sandpaper, with rubbing Into alcohol. Into a bowl of rubbing alcohol. Oh. Um, and yes. then, and then as a treat afterwards, you get a few paper cuts, and then you go into the sauna, and the steam is rubbing alcohol as well. So that's all oh. in your paper cuts, and it's just in, aggravated all the time. Sorry, Carla, what what would you like to do? No, that's fine. Are we doing a collective on this one? It's oh, like a collective, isn't it? Yeah. That's yeah. fine. To collectively, yep, yeah, that's that's all good for him. I just think he needs to feel pain, both physical and mental pain. Because so I, I just, think we'll you know, call there's it one trial aspect by of hurting slide. someone. 
this other part of our trial by one world, <laughs> trial by slide world. Yes. <laughs> oh, and ad, ad, adventures with rubbing alcohol. Ooh, yeah. But I think sometimes that can change. It can be feces and all sorts of things, so you get infected. It doesn't have to be rubbing oh, alcohol. Oh, they could just shoot, yeah. the jets could shoot out different things. <laughs> different things, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, uh, yeah. we, we oh, need to, revolting. it is revolting, but we need to brainstorm. And very degrading, okay. so there you go. It worked quite nicely. A nice tie in there. We just cross promo with, you know, fecal oh, matter. Oh, <laughs> waffle goodness me. Um, oh, my Lord. Lucky they're not made anymore or we'd be in trouble. Swanee, I feel like I cut you off when you were going to hack. We good? No, no, no. All right, so we've got a, a new theme water park. We're going to send. Oh, not in my water way. park. I think we should. It should be called not water park. Because <laughs> not water park. <laughs> it's it's anything no but water. water. <laughs> it's either feces or rubbing alcohol or hydrochloric acid. Awful, oh god, all sorts of awful just, things. And we, uh, yeah. for my part, I want to. I do want to send the partner. I, I I didn't go in. Yeah, right. I didn't paint her as a villain, but yeah. I think she has responsibility. And I think so. That yeah. for for that, I'm going to send her two days a week to not not Waterworld. I love she it. Part time. Part time. So was it four hours or? No, no, no. Just two days yeah, a week. Oh, yeah. Ta- Full day, so yeah, four hours. Time hours. This is a very interesting turn of events. There have been a number of people that I'd like to punish, but not full time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love this. I can do a part time, a part time option. So I'm going to put on job share. It's like oh, I'm sorry, you, you're getting it, but you're only yeah, a part. This yeah, works for me beautifully. You're, you're getting a casual punishment. <laughs> casual, you're getting, yeah. Yeah. Ten hours a week. That's it. Extra. You get casual punishment. Thank you, darling. As a yeah. casual, <laughs> but it won't be full time. <laughs> Sometimes that's yeah, all I need for these little horrors, you know. It's like that'll do without yeah. destroying everything. And um, I do want to bring Perfect. out the I I I want to ask why Judge Uriel, what's that, whatever his face is, Blount, who's now dead, God rest his soul. Um, but that man came out of retirement to try this case, and I feel there's a bias there. So he is doing yes, I think three and a half days it's, at Not Waterworld. No, there's more than a bias. He's a dirty pedophile. Well, I couldn't find I'm, any I'm evidence calling of that. It. Well, I don't care. I the, the evidence is that he came out of retirement to try that case because you wouldn't do that and exclude that evidence unless you were one. So I'm calling it trial by wine, world fact. I'm we're not sure that he was a dirty pedophile, but, uh, but and, and I will never I know am. this, but I suspect I maybe he picked up the odd worker on the side of the road. Ah, yeah. Mm. Ah, yes. And... So I'm I'm happy to give him three and a half days at not Waterworld, and um, uh, and but how many else? hours in those three? Oh, are they full? Are they full days? I love Seriously, it. Seriously, not Doctor Legal can smoke all the joints he likes, but they're made of camel shit, so he can smoke those. Yeah, That's he his... needs a dose of reality. That's what that man needs. I don't think he's still practicing law. Are you surprised? I hope not. <laughs> really, do tell. He's got for surgery now. Yeah, now he's a surgeon now. And um, as for yeah, that's right, Arlene, the godbotherer who has her horses and her she wolves. Did you just use the term godbotherer? Yeah, I've used it many an occasion. <laughs> she Are bothers you God. On your faith? No, I'm not. She's a godbotherer. I've said before, I don't bother God. I leave him alone. But this woman is a godbotherer, right? And <laughs> as a result of being a godbotherer, she can. Just live with her horses, maybe get trampled by them, 
and eaten yeah. by her she wolves. That'll do. Oh, oh yeah, that's oh. that's fair. Nice. Yeah, that's fair. I'm a fan like of her. She was a usurious lady. Anyway, that's me done. Well, um, I, I don't think I actually. I didn't actually get to sentence anyone. All right, go anyone, ahead, go ahead. Cause... Now the juices are flowing. Oh, the not water is flowing now. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. So, like, I'm, I'm really right. comfortable with not water world. I think, uh, Carla, <laughs> Love you, it. you got the early life and, and Schmidty, you got a lot of the ones from um, around After, that time. Yeah. I, I just think, I, I just want to go back to um, people like the judge who <laughs> came out of retirement, Dr. Legal, like, you need a bit of wheel brace and rubbing alcohol. I, I just think... <laughs> Oh, yeah, like, like those people who have lit, just, you know, they wake up in the morning and go, I know I should represent this and I should do my job properly, but mm. today I just can't be fucked. Won't even and so ask. this poor oh, woman who is a, a husk of a person, yeah. like she's literally got nothing. Goes to death row. And Wouldn't so therefore we're not, we're not the even. information from the first case to try the second one. Didn't even Correct. ask for See? it. Didn't so, care. so that. They should go through oh. all of what she's been through. Mm. You know, then maybe they could go, and there should be at the end of it a fucking questionnaire where they go, would you now do something differently? And if they say yes, then they probably should go to fucking not water world. And if they say no, well, they can just do the whole course again. And exactly. also, uh, I want to say again, I do think still she did the wrong thing. Oh, 100%. I, whether... I agree. 100%. I, I yeah, see yeah. her as a victim in some respects, but she killed seven people. That And by the way, she yeah, was only yeah, tried yeah. for six because they never found the body of the seventh, but she admitted yeah. to it. Uh, she yeah, definitely yeah. killed them. I think there were mitigating factors on the first one. I think with the others, probably not. It wasn't some just, people it, are... it was just not justifiable. You know when you do a – I've done courses that are about um, dealing with aggression. And and they say what what is okay Why? in self defence? They because Tony, Tony, you, Tony, for occupational violence. Actually, it was a course around how to deal with occupational violence. Jeez. And in in well, it's wow. the sort of thing that sometimes we have to manage. Oh, when you were doing your sex work. No, in the work that I do. Anyway, when I, when I was making back when I was making soap, I used to deal with occupational violence all anyway, the time. Anyway, when when you talk about occupational violence, there's a question that is raised, which is how much force can you use if someone's going to attack you? How much is adequate force to get out of the situation? And the answer is uh, something along the lines of about the same amount of force as. Uh, the person's using against you, i.e. Oh, rubbish. I.e. Fuck off. Someone swears at you and yells at you, I can't pull a gun out and shoot them, right? Because that is <laughs> okay. that is over-the-top the force. I'm so glad that you had to go to a course to learn that. Yeah, Thank I know, God. right? Yeah. Like, or, or the example, I think the example was is given, I can't pick up a people? chair and beat someone <laughs> with a chair. If Not true. Schmidt, did anybody else do the course with you or you singled out? No, everyone who works works in my area. Is it it actually a course? Yeah, it is. Is it it rehab? It was was part of a contract. Shut up. The point was, the point was. If someone sings badly at an opera, how much fat do they need to have to make good soap? Shut up. The, The 
point was, what is what would I be legally, you know, prosecuted for in a situation where I thought I was defending myself, yeah. and actually I used a chair and I brained someone with it, right? And did the answer you, is, did, did you really do this? Course? Yes, I did. And, and the answer was, if you used undue force, I mean, more force than was required to get yourself out of that situation. You could be prosecuted. Was the point right? Oh. So she, thank you very much for mocking me for the last five oh, minutes. Oh, go and but, get your notes. Anyway, your notes. I feel that perhaps she yeah. should have done In the, the occupational the violence. No, she perhaps. should have done the occupational violence course, and then if she would only know they that had have offered that. shooting someone nine times because they yeah. looked at you the wrong way is undue, uh, you know, force, and therefore you could be prosecuted for well, it. In my notes, I'd written it was a bit when I was when I'm coming to um, sentencing, a, a bit too murdery, and then I wrote <laughs> it was also a bit too repetitive for me. It was like, yeah, it's like and another one, and another one, and another one. Uh, I think she definitely could have done your. You could definitely have done with your um, occupational violence course. That's yeah, yeah, sure. I agree, I agree. So maybe we send Lee to an occupational violence course before Absolutely. she goes. Absolutely, just so she knows yeah. that she was not allowed to shoot someone. <laughs> Nine times. Yelled at her rudely. Or they said, suck my dick, bitch. Yeah. No, I'm not shooting you nine times. That's my job. Yeah. I wondered about what, uh, so the the number of times she shot people, because I would have thought, you know, at some point you'd get to a point where you go, I know if I shoot them there and there and there, they're dead. Yeah. But there were like, you know, there were nine, there were four, there were Previous six. experience funny would suggest that, that I should be done about now, yes. Yeah, yes. Schmitty, Schmitty that... can you tell me about that? Because clearly you know. <laughs> no, no, I was thinking, no, I started laughing because you were incriminating me again. But what I was going to say is it's, it's. You're incriminating yourself. Funny you should say that because that first guy that she shot, she shot, I think, between four and six times. But. The pathology report said that he was—he actually five died five. from two shots, <laughs> only two of them, right? One that oh. hit his lung or something. So you can be shot multiple times and then they're, they're not fatal, right? Correct. Well, There's of course. Two that, is that what you're—is you that or... what you're telling us? I'm simply saying that she she's shooting. <laughs> like you could, you're saying you could be. Sh- she's not a sharpshooter, right? She's not trained. <laughs> you're saying, oh, you know, she should know how to do it after a couple. She's of a, she's she's shoot a, him in the head, shoot him in the thing that'll kill him. But you know, maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't hit a major. She's a sex worker <laughs> who has killed people in close proximity seven times, like fucking one in the head. Well, maybe you know, that was like, the problem with the nine. Why do you nine. do nine and why do you do four? Like, yeah, but even that, right? Shooting someone in the head is like pretty full on. That's it. Yeah, There's not a- what you, not once you've shot them twice. I reckon once you've shot them twice, the third one can pretty easily be in the head. Look, this is not a double tap assassination scenario. This is a <laughs> responding to high emotion, right? If I'm in the no, car or I'm near the I car, I'm running to the car. So do I. Turn, I. Boom. Assassination, you shoot them twice, oh, one in the chest, boom. one in the head, make sure they're is. dead. It's a double tap. Oh, yeah. oh, Again, no, no, of course she people. knows that. Of course <laughs> she knows <laughs> that. <laughs> and how does she know that? Because of workplace violence. When things really yeah. escalate, yeah, that's yeah. your end of like, uh, violence. So and, occupational and violence as course. As Caroline's lawyer, tap. I would suggest <laughs> we, we cut the tape here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 Schmitty. Yes? 
in the last in the last couple of years have you learned that when you double do tap. the double tap scenario <laughs> you should put a sheet between you and the crowd to, con- to contain the blood splatter it's only when i'm using an explosive that i, when I want to pull someone up you two are perfect you oh are totally body and clyde oh okay all right so uh, look we we um did we ever get you? Did you ever sentence anyone, Clarky? Oh, I'm. I think I'm, just, I'm. I'm close to sentencing you, Schmitty, because <laughs> too much. So let's just move on. Okay. All right. Well, that's my story. Um. So thank you very much, guys. Uh, I enjoyed researching that one. It was a bit sad for me, but I also appreciate that it wasn't easy to go through. Not from not from the pedestrian side of the crimes itself, but we just had a good laugh about that. But more to the point about um, how legal process can actually make you feel like a person who's killed someone seven times can be a victim in it as well. So that's why I found that very interesting. But thanks very much for your brilliant responses, as always. Very, very mm. entertaining. And I loved that we, like, it's been a long time since you yeah. and we, we have been together. Good. And you've just reminded me why we do it. It's great fun. So thank you very much. Shits yeah. and giggles. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, exactly. I can't wait for Not Waterworld to, <laughs> to, cro- to crop up on the Gold Coast. So right next door to there's Waterworld and there could be Not, not Waterworld. Waterworld. And you can pick which one you go to. Don't go oh, to Not gosh. Waterworld. It's not uh, good. my suggestion. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Great work. And uh, miss you already. All right. Ciao, darlings. Love you long time. Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, Trial by Wine, or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com, to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.